0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning and uh, good to be back after last Sunday. My wife and I had a chance to be down uh, on the shore just enjoying the day. I'm thankful that you here were able to hear from Gary and Pauline Carlson, our missionaries whom we partner with in ministry as they have served so faithfully for decades in Japan. And I'm glad you got to hear about how they partner with us to share God's love to our neighbors across the globe. After Jesus had risen from the dead, he told his disciples to go. Go to go and make disciples near and far, beginning right where they were in Jerusalem and then to head down the road into Samaria and to end up eventually at the uttermost ends of the earth. And that's been the holy task, the sacred opportunity of the church ever since. It's why we articulate our mission at Bethany as knowing God, following Jesus, serving our near and far neighbors. We seek to be faithful disciples who make Faithful disciples by God's grace. And so there's a rhythm to this mission that we've been given, to this act of discipleship, to being and making disciples. It's cross-generational. It's intergenerational. This morning we had the privilege of welcoming and baptizing one of the very youngest among us. We're intentional to welcome the next generation into our fellowship to teach them the things that we ourselves have been taught by those who came before us the story of the good news of Jesus, this process and rhythm of discipleship has continued ever since Jesus called his first disciples. We seek to live out the great commission that Jesus told his friends. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You heard that command as we came to the waters of baptism this morning. Teaching and baptism have been the twin tasks of the church that show up again and again. They show up in the Gospels, the stories of the life and teaching of Jesus. They show up in the book of Acts where we learn about those acts, those actions of the early church and the apostles. Teaching and baptizing. It's sort of a call and response. People are, heard, are, are called to hear the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, and then to respond with lives marked by change. People are called to become disciples and change how they live, and then they're called to identify with Jesus through the waters of baptism, marking themselves as those who with Christ are dead, buried, and raised from the dead, thanks to the grace of God. As we look especially at the book of Acts, we see that there's another marker in the new life uh, that comes from one who surrenders his or her life to the teachings and call of Jesus, and that's the filling of the believer with the Holy Spirit. Hearing, receiving, response, baptism, the coming of the Holy Spirit, these are all tied up in what it means for someone to come to faith and new life in Jesus Christ, to take on an identity as his disciple. But as we look at the stories in the book of Acts of how that happens, how does someone come to saving faith and become a disciple of Jesus? We discover that there's actually no kind of magic formula. There's no fixed way that that happens. We see story after story of individual journey of people hearing the good news about Jesus and responding in some way. The only constant seems to be that it's God who opens someone's heart to receive the gift of God's grace and to place their faith. It's God who sends the Holy Spirit to then empower someone to live according to that new life they've been called to. If we examine the individual stories of persons coming to faith in the book of Acts, we see there's no fixed order as to how this all happens. It's a journey that's different for each of them. And we see that in our own lives as well. If we were to share our own stories of how we came to faith in Jesus, how that unfolded in our lives, we'd see that our stories are at least somewhat individual and unique as well. Perhaps even a bit mysterious as we see God's spirit work in our lives. In the stories in the book of Acts, we just see that there's actually no particular order even when it comes to someone being baptized and they're being filled by the Holy Spirit. For example, when Philip went to Samaria, one of those places Jesus told his disciples to go, he preached the good news about Jesus. And then we read this, that when the people of Samaria believed as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And the account goes on. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit." So in this case, we see that belief led to a response of people coming to the waters of baptism. But for some reason, it seemed to take an extra step for the Holy Spirit to come into the lives of these new believers. We're not sure why. Perhaps God wanted to make sure that Peter and John went themselves, traveling to Samaria, so they could see firsthand that, yes, indeed, Samaritans could become full-fledged believers in Jesus, And by physically placing their hands on their historic enemies, these apostles marked their unity with these new brothers and sisters in Christ. It was in that moment that the Holy Spirit came into the lives of these Samaritan believers. But then just two chapters later in Acts, we find a different kind of story, a different journey. Acts 10 is the story of God's reckoning with the apostle Peter. Because Peter has an unwillingness... To begin with, to consider truly clean those things that God calls clean, whether it be food or especially people. And so God gives Peter a vision, a vision of a sheet being lowered down from heaven that's filled with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean, animals that had been allowed to be eaten by Jews and those that were forbidden. And a voice came from heaven saying, Peter, get up, kill and eat all of these But Peter protests. He says he's faithfully eaten only clean or kosher food his entire life. How could he possibly do this? But the same voice from heaven answers, do not call anything impure what God has made clean. I want to read the rest of the story this morning. It's a longer one, but I think it's important that we hear this entire account. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, Three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. In other words, don't worship me. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I shall, should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers that is the, that is the jewish christians who had come with peter were astonished that the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Such a powerful story as it unfolds in Acts 10. We're told that moments after Peter had received this vision from heaven, we're told as he's still pondering the meaning of this sheet coming down and being told that whatever God calls clean, you should consider clean. It's a knock at the door. And who is it but someone who perhaps an hour earlier, Peter would have said, you're unclean, I can't be with you. But now Peter welcomes these messengers and asks them, What is it that they want? And he puts aside the distinctions of clean and unclean and travels with these messengers and enters the home of Gentiles. And not only did he walk in, but he boldly and clearly proclaimed the good news about Jesus, the promises of God to any who would listen with no distinctions. And the people responded. And so did God's Holy Spirit. We're told that Peter's words settled in the hearts and minds of those who listened. And the Holy Spirit came to settle on the lives and souls of those who responded. And so baptism was the obvious and natural next step. This morning, as we reflect on this story from Acts 10, I'd like to ask two questions. The first is... Have you believed and been baptized? I'm kind of sneaking two questions in there. It's kind of a two-part question. Have you believed and been baptized? This mini-sermon we hear preached by Peter in Acts 10 is actually just as true today as it was then. And I'll repeat just a mini-version of Peter's mini-sermon that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He was killed on a cross, but God raised him on the third day. All the prophets testify about Jesus, that everyone who believes in his name will receive forgiveness of sins and be saved. Everyone. And so this morning, if there is anyone who has not yet responded to that call of Jesus, to that gift of forgiveness of sins and new life through him, I just want to say, as I often do, any of our pastors would be honored to have a conversation with you about Jesus, about who he was, what he did, and why that matters so incredibly much. We'd love to have that conversation with you. And if anyone this morning has come to faith in Jesus, but not yet been baptized, I'd invite you to talk with any of us as well, because we're, we're planning a baptism by immersion, right about where this uh, font for infant baptisms is. There's actually a secret door in the floor, which you pull up, and there's a baptism pool under there. That was fun to discover when I came here just over a year ago. And so we also offer opportunities for those who confess new life in Christ To come to the waters of baptism and identify themselves in his death as they go under the water, in his resurrection as they come back out. And since we see in scripture that baptism sometimes comes before the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we see in the book of Acts that sometimes entire households come to be baptized, we also baptize infants, as you saw this morning, marking them as beloved by God praying that God's Spirit would be at work in them so that someday they would confess faith for themselves in Jesus as Lord. My second question this morning, as we think about Peter and his response to those who came knocking at the door, is who is it that you, that we have been labeling, maybe even subconsciously as unclean, Who do you believe is somehow beyond the reach of God's grace and love? Somehow outside of God's promises and destined to stay there? Or who are those people that you think you better stay away from? Or that if you're honest, you say, I actually would prefer to stay away from them. That I stay here and they stay over there. Peter got the message from the vision God gave him that we should never, ever, Respond, you no, not them. We should never be repulsed by anyone uh, who comes into our into our world. We should not be repulsed in a way that says you stay out there because you're beyond the reach of God. There's no one that we should consider unworthy of God's love, because apparently. If we read scripture, God loves everyone. Peter says, I realize now that it's true that God shows no favoritism. And thanks be to God that that's true. Otherwise, we'd be sunk. Because we have not done anything to become God's favorites. And so as we think about how wide the circle of God's love is, we say thank you that we ourselves are included in that circle. It's all about grace, and the grace that we've been shown is grace that we're meant to extend to others as well, to extend with generosity rather than judgment, to extend with impartiality rather than preference, to actually become like God and to be extravagant in the giving of our love, our grace, just like God our Father does. The good news of forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ The Holy Spirit himself indwelling and empowering our lives. The waters of baptism that unite us to Christ and to one another. These are the gifts of God through his son, Jesus. Gifts that are meant to be received, responded to, and offered and shared freely. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Loving and gracious God, We know we can't begin to thank you enough for all that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. But we don't want that to stop us from trying. We want to thank you. We want to praise you. Father, thank you that your love for us drove you to hold back nothing, not even your own and only son, that we might be saved through his life, death, and resurrection. God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit of Christ himself living in those of us who have surrendered to you. Thank you for the waters of baptism, for the table of our Lord Jesus, these sacraments that demonstrate so tangibly our unity with one another and with you. God, thank you for your grace. Would you make us people of grace in this world that's in such desperate need? Amen.